chapter one of the double life of mr alfred burton this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. recording by linda olson fytak los angeles the double life of mr alfred burton by e phillips oppenheim chapter one the fruit of the tree mr alfred burton although he was blissfully and completely ignorant of the fact stood at the door of fate he was a little out of breath and his silk hat was reclining at the back of his head in his mouth was a large cigar which he felt certain was going to disagree with him but he smoked it because it had been presented to him a few minutes ago by the client upon whom he was in attendance he had rather deep-set blue eyes which might have been attractive but for a certain keenness in their outlook which was in a sense indicative of the methods and character of the young man himself a pale characterless face a straggling sandy moustache and an earnest not say convincing manner he was dressed in such garments as the head clerk of messrs waddington and forbes third-rate auctioneers and house agents might have been expected to select he dangled a bunch of keys in his hand if this house don't suit you sir he declared confidently why there isn't one in the old west end that will that's my opinion anyway there's nothing in our books to compare with it for value and accommodation we nearly let it last week to lord leckenside but our ladyship she came round with me herself decided that it was just a trifle too large as a matter of fact sir this energetic young man went on confidentially the governor insisted upon a deposit and it didn't seem to be exactly convenient it isn't always these people with titles who've got the money that we find out in our business sir as quickly as anybody as for the steam eating you were talking about mr lynn why that's all very well for new york he continued persuasively but over here the climate doesn't call for it you can take it from me that it doesn't indeed mr lynn i have the letting in me ends of as many houses as most people and you can take it from me sir as the direct result of my experience that over here they won't have it they won't have it at any price sir most unhealthy we find it and always produces a rare crop of colds and coughs unknown to those that are used to an honest coal fire it's all a matter of climate sir after all isn't it the young man paused to take breath his client who had been listening attentively in gloomy but not unappreciative silence removed his cigar from his mouth he was a middle-aged american with a wife and daughters on their way over from new york and his business was to take a house before they arrived it wasn't a job he liked but he was making the best of it this young man appealed to his sense of business say he remarked approvingly you've learned how to talk in your trade 
stimulated by this encouragement alfred burton clapped on his hat a little more securely took a long breath and went at it again why i'm giving meself a rest this morning sir he declared i haven't troubled to tell you more than the bare facts this house doesn't need any talking about doesn't need a word said about it our ladyship's last words to us were lady idlemay you know the owner of the house mr waddington and mr burton she said she was speaking to us both for the governor always introduces me to clients as being the one who does most of the letting mr waddington and mr burton she said if a tenant comes along whom you think i'd like to have living in me rooms and using my furniture breathing my air so to speak why go ahead and let the house rents being shockingly low just now with agricultural depression and what not but sooner than not let it to gentle people i'll do without the money her ladyship declared now you're just the sort of tenant she'd like to have here i'm quite sure of that mr lean i should take a pleasure in bringing you two together mr lean grunted he was perfectly well aware that the house would seem more desirable to his wife and daughters from the very fact that it belonged to a lady anybody he was perfectly well aware also that his companion had suspected this the consideration of these facts left him however unaffected he was disposed of anything to admire the cleverness of the young man who had realised an outside asset well i've seen pretty well all over it he remarked i'll go back to the office with you anyhow and have a word with mr waddington by the way what's that room behind you the young man glanced carelessly around at the door of the room of fate and down at the bunch of keys which he held in his hand he even chuckled as he replied i was going to mention the matter of that room sir he replied because if perfectly agreeable to the tenant our ladyship would like to keep it locked up locked up mr lynn repeated and why regular queer story sir the young man declared confidentially the late earl was a great traveller in the east as you may have heard and he was always poking about in some ruined city or other in the desert and picking up things and making discoveries well last time he came home from abroad he brought with him an old egyptian or arab i don't know which he was but he was brown settled him down in his room in his own house mine and wouldn't have him disturbed or interfered with not at any price well the old chap worked here night and day at some sort of writing and then naturally enough what with not having some sort of grub he liked and never going outside the doors he groped he what mr lynn interposed he died the young man explained it was just about the time that the earl was ill himself his lordship gave orders that the body was to be buried in the room locked up in case the old chap's heirs should come along seems he'd brought a few odd things of his own over nothing whatever of any value anyway those were lord idlemay's wishes and the room has been locked up ever since mr lynn was interested no objection to our just looking inside i suppose none whatever the young man declared promptly i was going to have a peep myself 
here goes he fitted the key in the lock and pushed the door open mr lynn took one step forward and drew back hurriedly thanks he said that'll do i've seen all i want and smelt mr alfred burton fortunately or unfortunately was possessed of less sensitive nasal organs and an indomitable curiosity the room was dark and stuffy and a wave of pungent odour swept out upon them with the opening of the door nevertheless he did not immediately close it one moment he muttered peering inside i'll just look around and see that everything is in order he crossed the threshold and passed into the room it was certainly a curious apartment the walls were hung not with paper at all but with rugs of some oriental material which had the effect of still further increasing the gloom there were neither chairs nor tables no furniture at all in fact of any account but in the furthest corner was a great pile of cushions and on the floor by the side a plain strip of sandalwood covered with a purple cloth on which were several square-shaped sheets of paper a brass inkstand and a bundle of quill pens on the extreme corner of this strip of wood which seemed to have been used as a writing-desk by someone reclining upon the cushions was the strangest article of all alfred burton stared at it with wide open eyes it was a tiny plant growing out of a small-sized flower-pot with real green leaves and a cluster of queer little brown fruit hanging down from among them jiminy the clerk exclaimed i say mr lynn sir but mr lynn had gone off to pace the dining-room once more burton moved slowly forward and stooped down over the cushions he took up the sheets of paper which lay upon the slab of sandalwood they were covered with wholly indecipherable characters save for the last page only and there even as he stood with it in his fingers he saw underneath the concluding paragraph of those unintelligible hieroglyphics a few words of faintly traced english laboriously printed probably a translation he struck a match and read them slowly out to himself it is finished the nineteenth generation has triumphed he who shall eat of the brown fruit of this tree shall see the things of life and death as they are he who shall eat the translation concluded abruptly mr alfred burton removed his silk hat and reflectively scratched his head queer sort of joke he must have been he remarked to himself i wonder what he was getting at his eyes fell upon the little tree he felt the earth in the pot it was quite dry yet the tree itself was fresh and green here goes for a brown bean he continued and plucked one even then while he held it in his fingers he hesitated don't suppose it will do me any harm he muttered 
doubtfully there was naturally no reply mr alfred burton laughed uneasily to himself the shadows of the room and its curious perfume were a trifle disconcerting risk it anyway he concluded here goes he raised the little brown fruit which did indeed somewhat resemble a bean to his mouth and swallowed it he found it quite tasteless but the deed was no sooner done than he was startled by a curious buzzing in his ears and a momentary but peculiar lapse of memory he sat and looked around him like a man who has been asleep and suddenly awakened in unfamiliar surroundings then the sound of his client's voice suddenly recalled him to himself he started up and peered through the gloom who's there he asked sharply say young man i'm waiting for you when you're quite ready mr lynn remarked from the threshold queer sort of atmosphere in there isn't it mr alfred burton came slowly out and locked the door of the room even then he was dimly conscious that something had happened to him he hated the musty odour of the place the dusty unswept hall and the general air of desertion he wanted to get out into the street and he hurried his client toward the front door as soon as he had locked up he breathed a little sigh of relief what a delicious soft wind he exclaimed removing his unsightly hat really i think that when we get a sunny day like this april is almost our most beautiful month mr lynn stared at his companion who was now slowly descending the steps say about this house he began i guess i'd better take it it may not be exactly what i want but it seems to me to be about as near as anything i am likely to find we'll go round to the office right away and fix things up mr alfred burton shook his head doubtfully i don't think i would take it if i were you mr lynn he said mr lynn stopped short upon the pavement and looked at his companion in amazement the latter had the air of one very little interested in the subject of conversation he was watching approvingly a barrel full of lilac and other spring flowers being wheeled along by a flower-seller in the middle of the road what an exquisite perfume the young man murmured enthusiastically doesn't it remind you mr lynn of a beautiful garden somewhere right away in the country one of those old-fashioned gardens you know with narrow paths where you have to push your way through the flowers and where there's always great beds of pink and white stocks near the box edges and do you notice an accident of course but what a delicate blend of colour the lilac and those yellow jonquils make i can't smell anything the american declared a little impatiently and i don't know as i want to just now i'm here to talk business if you don't mind in one moment burton replied excuse me for one moment if you please he hastened across the street and returned a moment or two later with a bunch of violets in his hand mr lynn watched him partly in amazement partly in disapproval 
there seemed to be very little left of the smart business-like young man whose methods only a short time ago had commanded his unwilling admiration mr alfred burton's expression had undergone a complete change his eyes had lost their calculating twinkle his mouth had softened a pleasant but somewhat abstracted smile had taken the place of his forced amiability you will forgive me won't you he said as he regained the pavement i really haven't smelt violets before this year spring comes upon us londoners so suddenly about that house now the american insisted a little sharply certainly burton replied removing his eyes unwillingly from the passing barrow i really don't think you had better take it mr lynn you see it is not generally known but there is no doubt that lord idlemay had typhoid fever there typhoid mr lynn exclaimed incredulously his companion nodded two of the servants were down with it as well he continued we implored lady idlemay when she offered us the letting of the house to have the drains put in thorough order but when we got the estimate out for her she absolutely declined to tell you the truth the best agents had all refused under the circumstances to have the house upon their books at all that is why we got the letting of it mr lynn removed the cigar from his mouth for a moment there was a slight frown upon his forehead he was puzzled say you're not getting at me for any reason are you he demanded my dear sir burton protested eagerly i'm simply doing my duty and telling you the truth the house is not in a fit state to be let to any one certainly not to a man with a family if you will permit me to say so you are not going the right way to secure a suitable house you simply walked into our office because you saw the sign up and listened to anything the governor had to say we haven't any west end houses at all upon our books it isn't our business unfortunately miller and sons or roscoe's are the best people no one would even come to see you at idlemay house much less stay with you the place has such a bad reputation then will you be good enough to just explain to me why you were cracking it up like blazes only a few minutes ago mr lynn demanded indignantly i nearly took the darn place mr burton shook his head penitently i'm afraid that i cannot explain sir he confessed to tell you the truth i don't understand in the least how i could have brought myself to be so untruthful i am only thankful that no harm has been done they had reached the corner of the street in which the offices of messrs waddington and forbes were situated mr lynn came to a full stop i can't see but what we might just as well part here young man he declared there's no use in my coming to your office after what you've told me not the slightest mr burton admitted frankly in fact you are better away mr waddington would certainly try to persuade you to take the house 
if you'll accept my advice sir you will go to miller and sons in st james place they have all the best houses on their books and they are almost certain to find something to suit you mr lynn gazed once more at his companion curiously say i'm not quite sure that i can size you up even now he said at first i thought you were a rare little hustler right on the job i was set against that house and yet you almost persuaded me into taking it what's come over you anyway mr burton shook his head dubiously i'm afraid that it's no use asking me he replied for i really don't quite know meself mr lynn still lingered the longer he looked at his companion the more he appreciated the subtle change of demeanour and language which had certainly transformed mr alfred burton it was after you came out of that little room he continued meditatively where that oriental fellow had been shut up the more i think of it the odder it seems you were as perky as mustard when you went in and you've been sort of dazed ever since you came out mr burton lifted his hat good day sir he said i trust that you will find a residence to suit you mr lynn strolled off with a puzzled frown upon his forehead and alfred burton with a slight gesture of aversion pushed open the swinging doors which led into the offices of messrs waddington and forbes end of chapter one recording by linda olsen feitak los angeles